If you uh, have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to John chapter 3. That's where we're going to be this, uh, this evening. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you didn't bring one. If you forgot it because you grabbed your coat and it was too cold, is there's one in the seat in front of you, uh, make sure you use that. Or like Mario was saying, if you have the app in there, is, uh, you can click on the Bible icon and you can follow along in there to scroll to John chapter 3. And then you can even change what version. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV version today, English Standard Version. Uh, and so we started the Gospel of John a couple of weeks ago. And so let me give you a, a quick recap of what's happened up until this point. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, as he's been testifying and witnessing about Jesus. And Jesus, he started calling his first disciples to him. And he even uh, has performed his first a miracle at a wedding. And he's also been doing many other signs. And he goes to Jerusalem. And while he's there, he's, he's there to celebrate the Passover. And while he's there, he goes to the temple. And the temple is supposed to be a house of prayer, a house of worship. And what he finds is money changers and vendors and merchants. And, and so he, he gets mad about that because it's not being used for its purpose of worshiping God. And the, the vendors and merchants, they've been setting up shop in the area reserved for Gentiles to worship. And so he goes and he starts flipping over tables and just kicking everybody out who's there to profit, who's there to make money. And so Jesus had just interfered with several people's income and their, their livelihood. And so needless to say, he did not make any friends that day in the temple. And uh, whether it's because people saw some of the signs that Jesus did or they heard about what he, he, the commotion he caused in the temple, they're starting to know about who this Jesus is and starting to hear about him. And so people are getting curious about what this guy is all about. And so before we dive into this passage, uh, there are going to be several instances that, you, that you'll read that uh, Jesus, it looks like he's pointing his finger at Nicodemus and says, you, several times. And, and what he's doing is, uh, is main, many of these uh, uses of the, the word you are, are plural. And so Nicodemus in verse 2, he comes in, he starts talking to Jesus, and he says that we know that you are a teacher of God. And so he's saying that some of the other leaders that he, is, he associates with, they have come to the same conclusions, not just him, but several other people know that he is a teacher come from God. And so as they're, uh, and so Jesus, when he, he refers, answers him in that, he, he replies with a singular pronoun of you. Uh, but then as, as the conversation progresses, he uses uh, plural forms of it. And so uh, when he's using the plural form, he's talking about, about uh, Nicodemus and the other leaders. And he's also talking to people in general. He's talking to you about you and I. And so with that said, let's look at, at chapter 3. And we're going to read all 18 verses real quick. Uh, don't panic. We will make it through. I'm a pretty uh, fast reader. I did speed reading in elementary school. Uh, and I, I like to try auctioneering. So if you're ready, Okay. So John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so Nicodemus, this Pharisee, this ruler of the Jews, he comes to Jesus by night. So let me, let me give you a little background about the Pharisees. And this group of men known as the Pharisees, they started somewhere around uh, 200 to 150 B.C. And the reason that they formed was that they were tired of the Greek culture that was creeping into the Israelite nation and, and causing people not to live a life that God had commanded them to live. And so the Pharisees, they devoted their lives to studying and keeping the traditions of the elders and the laws of Moses. And their intentions were good, but their main fault was that they were in trying to combat the extreme liberalism of the Greek culture. They ended up going to the far opposite direction. This caused them to become very legalistic in their religion. They made religion more of a matter of following traditions and ceremonies, essentially checking off boxes instead of one that is in a relationship with God. Let me give you one example of the extreme measures that they would take in regards to the law. Of the, on, on top of the Ten Commandments, there's also 603 other less-known laws that God gave to Moses and to the Jewish people that they were to keep. And so as not to break a law, they would make boundaries and parameters to help keep them from accidentally breaking a law. An example of this legalism was their crazy rules when it came to the Sabbath. Exodus says to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, and, and to not work. It says that no one can work, no, no, no man or woman, no slaves. But God didn't define what work was, and so they take it upon themselves to figure out exactly what God meant. And so the Pharisees probably formed a committee and to decide how to define work. And so they finally agree on what counts as work and what doesn't count. And one thing that they decided was that tying knots counted as works and, and probably got to this conclusion because fishing is a big part of life in that area and for the Israelites. And you have to be able to tie knots if you're going to fish. And so fishermen need knots to work. So tying knots counts as work. But then someone probably chimed in and remembers, hey, I, my sandal, what if it comes untied? I have to be able to tie that knot back. And so they're like, okay, well, let's, uh, if you can tie it with one hand, not work. Two hands is work, one hand, not work. And it's like, okay, like, I can do that. I can learn. I can become Dexter and, and figure that out. Dexter, I think I made that up. Dexterity. Um, and so they do that. Well, then someone remembers that his wife needs both hands to tie her, her clothes. And so they're like, well, two hands is work. And so like, well, okay, well, 
for, for female garments, for female clothing, you can use two hands to tie up, up female clothing. It's like, okay, women can tie up clothing two hands. You can use that for tying and untying. And so then they, uh, they, they realize, well, this creates a loophole. And if I have like a, a donkey that gets loose and I need to tie them back to something, I can use a female garment. I can tie knots in that and use that garment. I didn't break the law. I, did, I used an acceptable knot, so I, I'm not accused of breaking this law, and so you can't hold against them. And so there were several loopholes that they created that were like this, and it became more important for them to keep these, these boundaries that were meant to, to help them obey the law than it was to actually follow the laws that God originally gave to them. And such rules and regulations were matters of life and death to the Pharisees. And they thought that by following such a strict way of, of life and being able to check off all these boxes, that they were surely pleasing God. And the Pharisees even confront Jesus in Matthew chapter 15 over these rules. And Jesus replies with, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And Jesus is referring to the fifth commandment, to honor your father and mother. And the Pharisees created this rule that if you didn't want to take care of your parents when they became elderly, all you had to do was say that your possessions were given to God, that you dedicated them to God's use, and you were let go of honoring your parents through taking care of them. You still were honoring them, but your possessions were now God's. The the trick was... You didn't actually have to give your stuff away. You said, hey, anything that this money, my house is used for, that's God's using it for his power. He's using it for my will to sleep in it at night. And so they weren't allowing their family members to help each other because they created this loophole. And in a whole while, they were still technically honoring them, according to the Pharisees. And so Nicodemus, he's part of this strict religious group. But John also mentions that he's a ruler of the Jews. And this is a reference to the Jewish uh, governing body called the Sanhedrin. And the Jews are ultimately ruled by the Romans. But under that umbrella of Roman rule, they are allowed to do some of their own governing uh, inside that as long as they don't break Roman law. And this is the same group that would later try Jesus and, and ask Pilate to have him crucified. And now we're not sure why Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. It might have been that he was investigating Jesus and his teaching and making sure that he wasn't being blasphemous. It could be that he knew that Jesus was busy during the day and he wanted to be respectful of his time with the crowds. And he also maybe wanted just to get uh, some one-on-one time with Jesus where he's not interrupted and being uh, bothered by other people and he could ask his questions. Or maybe, maybe Nicodemus was tired of the legalism of the Pharisees. Maybe he'd been searching for something more and he just wasn't finding it through the checkboxes. And so he's searching out Jesus, but he doesn't want anyone else to know that he is questioning what the Pharisees do. And so maybe he's just too afraid. And so he goes then. And maybe you're here at New Life because your life was like that. You come from a legalistic background where you thought that you had to do things a certain way or you had to recite something just so or you had to check some box just perfectly or enough times. If you didn't, that the consequences would be eternal. And maybe that's you. If it is, I, I think you're going to relate to Nicodemus' story tonight. Jesus tells Nicodemus that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus replies with, 
how can that be? Can, can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And what Jesus is saying goes right over his head. Jesus is giving him heavenly answers, but Nicodemus is replying with earthly understanding. So Jesus goes a step further, and he turns up the heat a little bit, and he says that unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now for you and I, as we have the luxury of seeing this 2,000 years later, so that's not a huge shock to us. But for Nicodemus, that shook him to his core because up until this point in his life, he thought that he was doing everything right and his place in God's kingdom was already secured. It was widely taught among the Jews at that time that since they descended from Abraham, they are automatically were assured a place in heaven. And they were the chosen people. God had done many incredible things for the Israelites like splitting open a sea, defeating entire people groups, and providing them a new country of their own. He had given them judges and prophets and kings, and the Messiah was promised through the lineage of David. And Nicodemus, he would have had the golden ticket, Jewish check, head knowledge check, keeping all the commandments check, check. He had it all. But Jesus revealed that no matter what nationality a person was, no matter how nice a person was, no matter how smart someone was, unless a person is born of water and the Spirit, they cannot enter God's kingdom. Let's look at this from another angle. I think it's safe to say that most of us are not from, from northwest Arkansas. And uh, I, so I work with students downstairs, and so I like hand raising. So if you were born in, uh, in Bella Vista, raise your hand. We got one, two, one and a half maybe. Okay, so not a lot of us. Um, so imagine with me now that if Bella Vista made a law that says you are not allowed to live here unless you were born here. It wouldn't matter if someone wanted to move here and that they, want, that they played golf really well or they liked to mountain bike or climb on trails. It didn't matter if they observed some of the customs of the area or if they dressed like the village people. I mean, people from Bella Vista Village. It, it wouldn't matter if they practiced some of the religious customs of the area or if they have friends that lived here or if they have, their parents were born here or if their children were born here. All that would matter is if they were actually born in Bella Vista. Nicodemus, he's probably trying to think if he has ever heard of anyone being born again. And if so, how did they do it? But even if someone was able to be born again on their own accord, they would still not be able to be born of the Spirit on their own accord. And so at this point, Nicodemus' head is spinning. He's sitting there trying to make everything that he's learned up to this point in his life and everything that Jesus has told him make sense in his mind. And I like this story because I relate to Nicodemus. I, I understand the struggle that he is having right now. I like to understand fully when someone's telling me something. I, I, I want to know the details and the backstory, how they got to this point. I just want to know all that information. That way I can imagine it in my head. And I can try to picture what they're talking about. My wife, Kelsey, she, she likes to look on Pinterest. Anyone else's spouse like to look on Pinterest for ideas? 
it's, it's great for her, terrible for me. And so she'll find a, a piece of furniture or a decoration or, or a home remodel idea. And, and she'll, she'll show me like, hey, we should get this. And the first thing, without a doubt, is what I always say is, I could build that. And maybe you're like me. You think you, think you could build it better or cheaper than someone else. And so uh, maybe they ask you, your significant other, to, to build a, a new kitchen table or redo the kitchen table. And so you're picturing an idea like, okay, it's only going to cost uh, literally a couple pennies. And, and it looks like this. And you're like, okay, I'm going to, like, I can build this. This won't take that long. And so you're sitting there and you start off. But then after a little bit, it becomes like this. And there's just glue everywhere. The dog has glue on them and the cats or whatever animal you have. And it's like, that didn't, that didn't work out. Or maybe you want to build a nice uh, swing for your backyard. And so you're picturing in your mind, like, okay, this is what it's going to look like. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I know what materials I need. I can figure this out. I can do something like that. And then it ends up like this. <laughs> and yeah, it's, you're like, how did we end up there? Or maybe, maybe you like to bake in your child loves the Minion movies. And you're like, okay, and they want a minion cake. She's like, I got this. All I need is just pretty much a round cake. And like, I can do that. That's not hard. You just need a little fondant. And it's like, but a little icing, good. I'm going, and then when it comes out of the oven, you're done icing it. It ends up more like the Ghostbuster. And you're wondering why your kid cries every time that you ask if they want to watch Despicable Me. And, and when Kelsey is describing this project or whatever she wants me to make, I, I have to try to wrap my mind exactly what she wants. And, and what would it take to pull it off? What tools will I need? What tools do I have? What tools do I need to buy because of this project? Uh, what, what's it going to cost? How long is it going to take? What's the dimensions? And what material should I use? And so this is what I picture myself, Kelsey, seeing me when, when she's telling me all this stuff. I'm just sitting there looking but, but this is what actually my actual face what it looks like. It's, it's just a dumbfounded look. And Kelsey hates that look because I just, I look, I look so stupid. I'm looking at her like I'm stupid. I'm just lost. And I, I think that, that Nicodemus is looking kind of like that when Jesus is talking to him. He's trying to wrap his mind around this and he just quite can't. Jesus wants Nicodemus to understand what he's talking about. And so he uses an analogy of the wind and how you can see the effects of the wind, but you do not see the wind itself. It's the same way with the Spirit. You see what the Spirit is doing around you, but you don't see the Spirit itself. You can't grasp it, but you know it's working. Was that what did it for you when you saw nature the crash of the waves, the sun setting, stars in the sky? Is that when you realized that you didn't have all the answers, but there had to be someone who did? Is that when you started searching out? Jesus is telling Nicodemus, just like he doesn't understand how the wind works, he doesn't have to fully understand 100% how the Spirit of God works to believe. But Nicodemus, he's still struggling to understand that being born again is the only way into God's kingdom. So Jesus then appeals to his educational background and uses a story from Numbers 21 when the Israelites were in the wilderness that Nicodemus would have been familiar with. 
Jesus talks about how the Israelites were impatient with God and Moses, even though God had taken them out of slavery and performed all these big signs like walking through the Red Sea and leading them with a cloud of, uh, a cloud of, of fire. And, and so God sends all these serpents to go bite the people. And so they asked Moses, hey, tell God, pray to God, please stop, please heal us. And so God relents and he says, look at this image that Moses makes on a stick. And we recognize it now as the the doctor symbol. Uh, But he says, look at this image and you'll be healed. And they didn't have to go to a doctor. They didn't have to recite some words or be a good person. They didn't have to give money or sacrifice. All they had to do was to look up at this image and they would be healed. They would have life. And just like with uh, the Israelites in the desert, he is telling Nicodemus that if anyone would look upon Jesus and believe in him and be born of the Spirit, they would enter the kingdom of God. It's not a matter of how many rules you keep. It's not a matter if you're a good person. It's not about what backgrounds you come from. There is nothing that you can do in this life that will save you. You can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it done. The only possibility for you to ever be a part of God's kingdom is because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is the only way. Belief in Jesus is the only way. Nicodemus had spent his entire life believing that by keeping all these rules, by checking all the right boxes, that would make him good enough for God's love. Is that you? Do you feel like that if you check the right boxes, then God will love you? God already loves you. God doesn't want a checklist. He wants a transformation. He wants you to put your faith in him and believe in him. Nicodemus' story, it doesn't end here. We see him two more times in the book of John. In chapter 7, he goes against the current of the other leaders and questions them when they want to try Jesus without a hearing. And then the last time we hear about him is at the end of chapter 19. We see him after Jesus had been crucified. And he goes with Joseph of Arimathea to Pilate to ask for his body. And he brings 75 pounds of, uh, of, of herbs and spices to prepare Jesus' body for burial. And the Bible doesn't tell us anything more about him after this. But if I was a betting man, I, I would think that he finally understood what it meant to be born again. Let me read verse 17 again to you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus did not come to this earth to point a finger in your face and tell you how bad of a person you are and all the wrong that you've done. He was not beaten and put on a cross so he could rub your nose and your sins and tell you that you're a terrible person. No, he took on the cross willingly Not to condemn you, but to save you. Because he loves you. Because he wants transformation to happen in your life. And that only happens through him. And maybe you find yourself in Nicodemus' shoes, where you thought that you were doing everything right, but something is just still missing. And you just can't quite put your finger on it. 
What transformation needs to happen in your life today? Is it following Jesus? Maybe you've already accepted Jesus and you need to make some changes to how you're living your life. Whatever transformation needs to happen, you're in the right place. God loves you. He's called you to so much more. He wants to give you life. And in that new life, he doesn't want you to stay an infant like you're just born. He wants you to grow and develop, and he wants you to be strong. And he loves you so much.